art not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Welcome back, everybody, to Pardon in Easy, perhaps the most cursed podcast podcasting because it seems we can't take more than a few days break or gap between episodes without something you know big or something sad happening uh, unfortunately some things have happened in a world of entertainment that are not pleasant to talk about but we're also going to lose booster spirits after that by talking about uh, Star Wars' Tales of a Jedi which should be a lot of fun to do this with me I'm joined by my the other half of Team Godfather the, the Count Dooku to my Qui-Gon Jinn yeah. <laughs> Hello, yes, welcome. And uh, yeah, it has been uh, uh, a sad couple of weeks for uh, sci-fi legends, basically. For those unaware, we had Kevin Conroy, the most famous uh, actor to portray Batman in the world of like animation, and uh, a role so iconic that many people you know thought about him in terms of like best Batman just in general. Use that. Famous, he died at the age of sixty-six. Yeah, so he wasn't, wasn't that old, really. Yeah. Well, he also lost uh, this past Sunday. Jason David Frank, the actor most famous for portraying Tommy on Power Rangers across several series in seven different color variations, uh, but he's most famous for being green and white. Uh, only forty-nine, allegedly. Uh, but but I should say I'm not going to say that. That is, a, I'm not going to state that outright. I'm just, I put in allegedly because I don't want to speculate on people and potentially struggle with their mental mm. health. But it's still sad to see somebody still that young go, even if it is if it is by those means. Yeah, it's it's pretty horrific. Um, if you know the reports are to be believed, and um, yeah, if you are struggling in any way, please talk to someone. There's always somebody willing to listen. There really is. Yeah, and it's weird because like he was on social media like heavily, and even in the days leading up to you know, promoting, like I think he'd done some movies, so he was promoting that heavily, and you know doing Q and A's with fans. So. It, it did come out very much out of the blue for everybody. Like I'd heard about it early Sunday, but I was, then there were people saying we haven't heard any confirmation about it. So I was kind of hoping it would be one of those ones that would be revealed as give a hope, so which I couldn't think of him you know, actually being true. And then I was on a night out and I was waiting for some people and then somebody messaged me who, who they let me know that it was true, that apparently uh, Jason's uh, trainer had came out and confirmed it, and then some of his castmates started uh, putting posts out about it because uh, it, it is really like that because I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I was saying my brother I got I got angry about it that's how much it affected me I'm like no like, I, I should not be this age where people I watched in my childhood are are, are passing away this easily because it's like who else is going to go next because they go in threes oh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried to see who would go next yeah, it is really sad. I mean, I've, I'm at the age where I grew up with both of them on their original runs. You know, I was about mm. 12, 13 when Power Rangers started airing. Um, yeah, he, he, you know, he came into it um, sort of 
midway through season one towards the end of the Green Power Ranger and it just stood out so much from the rest of his um, you know charisma and uh, good looks and 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 everything really and he was like became the sort of de facto leader and the standout Power Ranger and you know and what was cooler than the White Ranger? That, let's be yeah. honest. And same with Kevin Conroy voicing Batman. You know, those Batman cartoons just came out again when I was a similar age. So, you know, I grew up with him as the voice of, of Batman. And, you know, he carried over to the video games where, again, he did a, a, a tremendous job voicing the, the, the iconic character. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it really, it really is, um, really has had times it looks like especially um jason david frank it's amazing how many people he touched on the on the convention circuit quite a lot of yeah. pro wrestlers and other celebrities mm-hmm. that um had photo sessions and did q and a's with him and just met him briefly well you know we'll see really you know so this you know say the same thing that he was such a nice bloke and mm-hmm. they're all so sad that you know he's, he's gone so soon i mean 49 it's it's not a massive you know, it's not hugely older than I, than I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like I said, it's amazing to see him. Because I mean, uh, Ethan Page of AEW, famous talked at length about how much he loved Jason Davis. Right, he's got a lot of ton of like Perringer's memorabilia in his in his house, and even said I think it was in a podcast interview that at one point they almost got the he almost got a chance to have a match with Jason Davis Frank at an indie show, but. I ended up falling through because he got the opportunity to do some like convention they ended up taking instead of the match. But yeah, it's weird because he had this like career like in martial arts and MMA afterwards. I remember there was a whole thing on Twitter in like 2013-14 where basically they didn't have an opponent for CM Punk and he basically went like, I'll fight him. <laughs> and I just I remember the idea. I was, I was still a fan of Punk back then. So the idea of one of my favourite wrestlers of that time versus one of my childhood heroes going at it, that would have been a I don't even care for MMA, but I would have done all I can to have witnessed that fight. Yeah, it might be difficult for younger uh, listeners to to know how big Power Rangers was. But when I was growing mm. up, especially for the first couple of seasons, it was it was the bit it was the biggest thing, and uh, yeah, everyone wanted the Power Ranger toys and uh, uh-huh. this. Was it Zoids or what? Yeah, the Zords. yes, that combined to make that big monster, and uh, it was yeah, really cool. And even the movie, the original movie, a lot better mm-hmm. than the uh, the crappy one they released a few years ago. <laughs> uh, I don't, I didn't even go to see that one. I'd, I'd seen bits of clips of it, and I heard people talking about it. I'm like, I don't even. I still haven't watched it. Like I've just, I just like made the effort to to not watch it. Yeah, I agree. I had like the VHS of the of the '95 movie, and you know I remember enjoying it uh, when I w- watched it when I was still very young. Uh, I remember joking about Rhea Ripley and Natasha she wore it for Crown Jewel. I said to Nathan and Jimmy, "This is the look. She's pulled off the look that they hoped Elizabeth Banks could pull off in the 2017. <laughs> she's what they want. Rhea Ripley is what you order online. What actually arrives at your door is what Elizabeth Banks looked like." I mean, why well, was Lord Zad when you needed him? <laughs> it's it's really amazing how popular he, his character became in the when he was first the Green Ranger because I remember when I watched the episodes with him in it as the Green Ranger, there'd be quite a lot. I'd not, I wasn't, uh, I didn't understand why there was so many bits of him not fighting with the others and just being in his regular clothes and then briefly coming in 
towards the end. And I found out years later because, like the back then, they used to take a lot of the action scenes from like, the original Japanese shows that they were, you know, based on. And the Green Ranger character and that was barely apparently in the original show, so they were very sparingly using the footage. And then we're saying like, "Oh crap, we need to shoot new stuff." He's got more popular than we realized he'd be. Yeah, because a lot of the time uh, when they were suited up and for the sort of um, when um, oh, what was her name? The the, the witch woman, the, the bad guy. What's her uh, name again? Rita. Rita. Yeah, Rita Funds. Uh, Repulsa or something, wasn't it? Um, when she made the the monster of the week big, that was all like Japanese stock footage or something yeah. like that that was spliced into, you know, the American act acting for um, the school and real life bits. So uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was corny but pretty cool mm-hmm. back 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 then. Yeah, I remember, like, I've, listened, I've watched, like, videos or listened to podcasts where people look back on the original series and they joke about how obvious the, the footage is half the time where, like, they joke about how this is meant based in America, yet it's the most Japanese-looking city in all of America. Because you, you'll get bits that are obviously from the, the Japanese show. But, like, yeah, I would have been bored a few years after it started, but my brother would have had tapes of it, and then I got into it because he was into it as well. And then I just kept up, kept on watching every, the new series that would come on for long afterwards. And so I was right at the right age where I was watching every new series that came out when they then they like when they brought them back years later in two thousand four for Daniel Thunder. And like I remember, I liked them watching the old stuff. But I also liked whatever the new stuff was. And then watching the first episode of that show, and then he popped up. And my brother was even my brother was like growing out of it. And then he he started to think like, wait a minute, is that fucking Tommy? All of a sudden, his interest has briefly peaked again. Yeah, because originally it was a bad guy, wasn't he? He was brought to yeah. sort of uh, bring the Power Rangers down, but uh, mm-hmm. he became a good guy. <laughs> I remember there was a post that came out around the time I think of Infinity War. Like people today can't handle, you know, Thanos getting the win at the end of Infinity War and snapping half the universe out of existence. Try watching five straight episodes of this guy in a picture of the Green Ranger getting the best of the Power Rangers. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you remember the time. He was just one guy against five, but he pretty much kicked all their arses when you watched it. So, you know, he, they put him over strong, brother, brother, and to use <laughs> wrestling terminology. <laughs> so, I don't he think was... he was even, I don't think he was even meant to come back as a White Ranger, but I think they wanted to put him off into some other show made by the same company, but then it failed, and he was so popular, like, ah, oh, fuck it, just bring him back. That's it, that's it. you got to get those ratings up, brother, brother. <laughs> but, but then moving over to Kevin Corderoy, like his first... I think the first series of Batman the Animated Series came out in 92. That's when he would have started voicing, and then that would carry on over to brief appearance in the Superman show and then the Justice League cartoons because they were all in their own little kind of connected universe. You know, they were doing cinematic universes before, long before it was cool, and then kind of got a second <laughs> wind as the character to the Arkham games. Uh, and he, like, I think he most recently voiced the character of Batman as recently as by 2013. Oh, no, I don't twenty nineteen. Sorry, I'm looking at here. So you talk about getting longevity out of a a voice. You know, once you strike gold, you realise like even though other people came in for other like films or shows, I think they realised like when they had something Kevin Conroy, there are very few that could really measure up. Hmm, definitely. I think it was the first. I think he's one of the the first credited with sort of giving Bruce Wayne and Batman different voices as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and Which is quite uh, a cool thing that's carried you know carried over to the more recent films and and whatnot now yeah and but i remember our first seeing an interview with him and thinking like he had because he has such a deep voice for both bruce and Batman, even though he varies them but then hearing him very how higher pitched his voice actually is in real life like in like Wow, this is this is just bizarre. Uh, like carrying that over for for so long, and then he got to have a brief cameo as Bruce Wayne, and like a big crossover where they did the five part like crisis co- crossover for like Arrow, Supergirl, Flash, those kind of things, and he got to appear as kind of a broken older Bruce Wayne, and he even though he was only in it briefly, he talked about it, and he said how grateful he was because he said like. The opportunity to play this character in live action, even if just briefly, I never got. I was starting to think I was getting too old to do it, but somehow he found a way. Yeah, that, that, that was really great for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll always have the kind of the kind of memories, and hopefully between this and next season, nobody else from our childhood just just keep an eye on all your childhood heroes for the next week or so. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. With me, if they're if they're, if they're not prime Brad, they turn out to be paedophiles or something. So it's even worse for me. <laughs> oh, there's some letters Carl sent back in the day that he's glad he never got a response to. Moving from the subject of paedophilia to Star Wars, a natural. A natural segue. <laughs> uh, the Star Wars project I was interested in when I first heard the announcement about it, but the announcement kind of was very much under the radar. But and then the show release kind of went under the radar because Andor was still aired, and this all came out just like all the episodes at once. So we had six episodes of this Tales of a Jedi uh, series, which you know, very you and I have been talking about it off air. Car very much an easy watch. These shows like they barely go like twenty minutes, you know. It just feels like a very much condensed like extensions of like the the universe that we've seen in uh, in Clone Wars and then like Rebels and things like that. Yeah, definitely, and so it's, it's a bit of a treat to be able to binge watch something on uh, Disney Plus because uh, mm. normally they make you wait weekly for for a lot of stuff, but perhaps because they are such short episodes and there's not many of them, they just decide uh, we'll just stick them on only one go. But uh, yeah, it's quite good. It answers um, maybe some questions and um, fills in a few gaps as well that uh, I assume are going to perhaps be canon now. Yeah, I assume so. Because I think Clone Wars and Rebels and all those other shows that are under the the Dave Filoni banner, because of course this is this is some coming back. It's the same kind of animation style that we've used to seeing in those shows. So if those other shows are canon, then I'm assuming this is also canon. There's two people that these six episodes kind of focus on. Uh, there are three episodes kind of dedicated to um, the origins and like some other looks at uh, So Katano, and then we get to see a bit more of Jedi Count Dooku and his kind of transition to becoming Sith Lord. So we're going to get separate the episodes up and uh, those two talk about the Ahsoka episodes first, and then talk about uh, the Dooku stuff. Uh, the first episode, Life and Death, is about a young kind of baby Ahsoka, and then the, f- the final two episodes, Practice Makes Perfect and Resolve, are both about Ahsoka as well. Uh, not much to really say about Ahsoka in the first episode. It's pretty much her kind of discovering her 
abilities, but she's a baby, so she doesn't really get to to speak. But I saw a lot of like, parallels between how baby Ahsoka is in this and uh, some Grogu from Mando. Yeah, yeah, perhaps so. Um, it's probably the weakest of the, the episodes, mm-hmm. to be fair. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's kind of cool to see um, Baby Ahsoka and sort of how they sort of recognised uh, her Jedi powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting to see because you, you really get to see like the first time you know, a young Jedi realises that they mm. are, you know, force sensitive. So I think that was the idea behind, like, behind that. And because they say that younglings are taken from their families very young, so it shows you how young they are uh, when they sometimes first find their abilities. But I'm wondering if, like, the reason they did this and then the three Dooku episodes then back to Ahsoka was because, like, there's some very exciting stuff from the Dooku episodes. And I'm wondering if they thought that this being placed right in the middle of the series would yeah, put some people off the Ahsoka stuff. So maybe like start off with this, a slow start, and then the series will like pick up from then on. Yeah, yeah, perhaps so. It might have been to do with pacing, like, like you suggest. Yeah. But things do pick up when we go back to Ahsoka in episode five. And, you know, there's some solid voice casting. You know, we talked about Kevin Conroy and he had a but that thing gave him a long career, but we have some strong voice talent across the series, and we have Ashley Eckstein back to play Ahsoka Tana, who portrayed her in both Rebels and Clone Wars. We have Matt Latner back as Anakin Skywalker, Dee Bradley mm. Baker voices when the clones whenever they show up, and we get a brief cameo from James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode 5. And uh, So this is, this is very much, we've jumped right up to young Ahsoka uh, training under Anakin Skywalker in episode 5 and you know, I think a lot of people agreed that the relationship between those two was one of the better parts of the Clone Wars so it was nice to see that kind of revisited Yeah, definitely yeah, there's great chemistry between um, Ahsoka and um, Anakin and it's um, you know, really cool to go back and, and revisit that a little bit and basically the crux of the episode is Anakin's not too impressed with the uh, the Jedi's training methods and he wants to um, test Ahsoka's metal on something a little bit more difficult and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he decides like doing the, like, the training in the temple with the, the droids and everything, the, the simulation, like all oh, they're designed to simulate battle droids, but uh, Anakin wants her to be more prepared, so he he gets the uh, practice with clones, like shooting stunt, like stun rays at her, which you know tra- training to practice practicing by fighting clones. The Jedi really didn't realize just how useful that would actually be. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder why Ahsoka's managed to survive and so many other Jedi's didn't when it came to fighting face when it came to fighting clones. Yeah, it does sort of um, explain, you know, why she is, you know, one of the reasons she's so handy in a fight and how she was able to sort of battle her way through all those clones towards the end of um, the last series of the Clone Wars um, program. And even sort of fast forwards to uh, mm-hmm. a certain scene as well at the end of the this episode, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the idea that she's been she trained all that time with the clones and 
um, saying like, "What's Rex saying, Joe? Let's see if that train pays mm. off." And the door opens, and there's all those, all those clones there. Uh, I do like the way, way they, 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 the way they like set out this trading of um, giving drugs and going. Now go again. Now go again because she keeps getting knocked out. You know, the first time she's knocked out for an hour, but then gets shot at every time. Uh, it, it does feel <laughs> like the. Just like one of those levels you get in a video game, which is where they set up a training thing for your character, which, which really is set up just so the person playing the game can learn the controls. It felt like mm. one of those levels at the start of a game. Like I could easily see this level get inserted in like a a Fallen Order style Jedi game. Yeah, he's 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 quite the taskmaster, is Anakin, isn't he? Uh, <laughs> one of his my master, Jesus Christ! He gives her about two seconds to recover from uh, from being blasted, and it's like again, again. <laughs> and what's also interesting is we see her um, go from um, using one lightsaber to uh, her dual lightsabers as mm. well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do like when she the last time before it kind of cuts to black. Uh, briefly, she's fended off and then eventually gets caught by a shot from Rex. And then when she wakes up on the clone ship, he said, oh, you did better. It took us about five minutes before we knocked you out that time. <laughs> and then she gets into like, it's like, I can do it better. And then there are somebody to do it again. So it shows that I think by the end, she realized what Anakin was trying to teach her. And in the end, it did, it did pay off for her. Yeah, Definitely. What's also quite interesting is a little, you know, Dave Filoni Easter egg. He likes to like, keep like, to connect these different shows. When Anakin shows up late, which they chastise him for to watch Ahsoka's training with the the droids, there's a little viewing gallery. Like there's him, Obi Wan, uh, Yoda, Mace Windu. There's a couple other Jedi there who aren't credited because they don't speak. But looking at the animation style thing, like it looked to me like that was meant to be. I can't remember the name of the Jedi Master, but the female Jedi Master you see at the start of Bad Batch and then a young Caleb doing a.k.a. Kanan Jarrus there because you remember they were at the start of the Bad Batch and the way they were animated there looked they looked very similar to these characters that were just sitting watching Ahsoka. Yeah, um, I think you're probably right. I'd have to agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is Dave Filoni. You know he likes to leave in mm. all these Easter eggs. It's a nice little touch. It's a nice little touch. It is. Uh, but then we go over to Resolve, which is uh, basically set after Order 66 and after that fight on the clone ship where Rexy was Soka was around during the funeral for Padme on, on Coruscant mm. and she's chatting with Baylor again and she's kind of on the run. She doesn't want to be, she gives up the Jedi lifestyle yeah, briefly or might even try to fight back against the Empire and ends up going to live on some sort of farm uh, but you know, much like when Obi Wan was trying to level, she she couldn't stay out of it and ends up accidentally like her Jedi and Sick take over and she has to use the Force to to save somebody. Yeah, and also it's important to know. Um, Bella gonna give us some sort of communication device so we can get in mm-hmm. touch with her when when she's ready. Uh, yeah. He tells her. So uh, she has that, and like you say, yeah. If you're like a superhero in any form, um, <laughs> and you try and give up being a superhero and using your powers, there always comes uh, an instant where you have that choice to make um, to use your powers to save someone. And also, that's an unavoidable um, <laughs> thing, there, isn't it? If you try to be live a normal life, <laughs> yeah. But of course, she she can't hide for very long, and. She ends up 
like the the girl who she say basically says to her that she'll she'll keep her secret safe. But of course, there's there's always somebody listening and watching, and somebody who doesn't quite agree with how everybody's bashing the the empire. So he tries to turn her in, uh, but basically, but in the process, gets everyone else around him killed, and lures in a unnamed girl unnamed inquisitor because he's just credited on indb as inquisitor mm. and he's wearing a mask so i think he's just a one-off character for this episode who was voiced by clancy brown mind who give a really is very good at that kind of menacing voice yeah i was, I was about to say i mean um I, to do i was doing a bit of research um which is not like me i know before <laughs> we uh uh, did this part and I was looking at some of the cast and they, they've got some um, decent names um, you know for such a short thing you know they've got yeah. some decent names to do some of the voices there's uh, a couple we'll get to in the um, Count Dooku section in, yeah. in, in due course but yeah I was like oh Clancy Brown I like him he's one of my favourite actors that's um, quite cool and yeah he's got a really cool mask isn't he he's like really menacing but I love the fact that Ahsoka just defeats him really easily <laughs> she doesn't even have her own lightsaber at this point here. no 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 she keeps cutting to her hand and you think oh a lightsaber's going to just suddenly appear there and she's gonna have it there just in case, and then like maybe we'll see her finally first for the first time use that white lightsaber we've seen her using. Like, nope, easily disarms him and kills and with his own lightsaber. It's kind of like Vader and the episode mm-hmm. of Kenobi against Riva, where he barely even uses his own lightsaber. He used he used the other person's lightsaber against them. It was like Ahsoka was Brock Lesnar, and <laughs> uh, the Inquisitor was Kofi Kingston. <laughs> oh, what a comparison! I was also point out at one point uh, the girl that Ahsoka say refers to as Ashla, which uh, is the name she's clearly going by. So, not really doing the best to go from Ahsoka to a name that starts with the same, most of the same letters. You know, it's like that bit in Shang Chi where East Pal takes a bit of like, but you changed your name from Shang to Sean, and you really thought no one would find you. Yeah, in I think it's a, like uh, a thing you have to do on TV and film when you change your name. It's got to be something that's glaringly obvious to what it used to be. <laughs> I also wonder, I'm probably reaching, but I'm wondering if Ashley was going to have a, a nod to the fact that the actress is called Ashley, who, who voices no, her. But very well could be, to be honest. Yeah, you never really do, but I did, yeah, it is kind of... We're going back to the Stancy Brown character, he is just kind of credited as the Inquisitor. This kind of convinces Ahsoka to, you know, call Bail Organa and get back into the fight, which I'm sure then leads her down the path to where we see her again, kind of the original canon, which would be as part of the rebellion and uh, and rebels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that sort of convinces her. I suppose she starts off as like the fulcrum, isn't it? And then yeah, gets more and more involved as um, the yeah that series goes on, which is pretty cool to see. And then now we uh, get nice to get a bit of a backstory, more of a backstory before we get the uh, the live action program proper, which is due out sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think the thing with about the the actors before we move on to the Count Dooku situation, uh, the Count Dooku section, 
is that I think most of them are they have the connection with the original like Clone Wars series or something else Star Wars played. So I think it's a case of you know enjoying their time or having a love of Star Wars that they're they're happy to come back here if it's just like you know for a couple of lines or a brief kind of cameo because Clancy Brown did voice a couple of characters and uh, mm. and Clone Wars like most famously uh, Savage Press the the brother of Darth Maul. Uh, He's also I also find it weird because I see clients around the voice of like Lex Luthor, you know that tiny Kevin Conroy, and like playing like our soul characters in like live action shows, uh, like he was or in films like he was in a Garden Shawshank, and then find it oh yeah he was also Mister Crab on uh, on SpongeBob, just like that guy that deep voice then playing this very very cartoony character. He was also uh, Kurgan in the first Highlander film. I think it's Kurgan anyway. He also keep the superhero thing going. He was also in that the Flash. He played a, a general for a couple of episodes. Mm. But yeah, breaking news: actor appears in things. But he's in, a, he's in everything basically. Everything. <laughs> I still. I know he's in that new kind of Dexter First Blood. I finally got a wee free trial for Amazon for sorry, Paramount Plus, which I think that Dexter show is on. So I've been meaning to give it a watch, but I haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, I've never really gone to Dexter, so it's not it's not something high on my list really to <laughs> check out that one. But uh, moving over to Count Dooku, we get three episodes involving him. Uh, get three episodes involving him as uh, a young Jedi and seeing his growing d- issues and kind of disdain for the way the Republic and the, the Jedi Order is being run. Uh, what's also cool about this is we get to see him using his same like style lightsaber, but it's blue now. So he was always using that kind of style of saber. Mm. But we have three episodes: Justice Choices and the Sith Lord, as the episodes with Count Dooku, and we get to see him with a with a young Qui Gon Jinn in the first episodes. Yeah. That, that's quite cool and uh, we're talking about voices Liam Neeson came back to to voice Qui-Gon Jim, which, which is cool and also led to his um, little appearance in the uh, Obi-Wan program spoiler alert if you haven't seen that yet but um, I'm sure you, you must have if you're listening to this um, so yeah and it's quite cool as well because it's the first two episodes um, especially sort of show um, it's sort of discontent for the way things are, the way the Jedi are managing things and, you know, the corruptness in in the Senate and in, in the people that are governing and uh, it sort of, ha- sort of shows you how, how we were sort of pushed um, mm-hmm. Into working for the would it be the separate was it the separatists? It yeah, sort of started yeah. out as. Yeah, I think he was lead, leading kind of the separatists or like kind of leader of the separatists. There were a lot of white people who were called separatist leaders, but he was kind of the main. I think one, mm. and but, all, but I think all, all the whole time he was doing it under the, the command of like of Darth Sidious, who had his own goals. Because like I think, like as far as the Jedi news, uh, like. Dooku was like the main instigator on the, the separate side and like the Clone Wars not knowing that he was working for Sidious and everything so you know all the while Sidious is also playing the Republic side as Palpatine so yeah I got the impression watching this that perhaps he didn't quite understand what Sidious's true plans really were yeah 
and it's interesting how, how much like time jumps, not just from like Ahsoka being a child to her being a temple, but you know, there's like a few episodes just as Dooku with Qui-Gon, who's still a part of one, then an episode with him and Mace Windu, and then when you get to the third episode, it's around the time of episode one, and Qui-Gon's there, mm-hmm. and then Qui-Gon dies, and Dooku has to take the place of Maul as, as Sidious' apprentice, but also getting ahead of myself there. But the episode, uh, the first episode, Justice, which shows uh, and it, which shows Dooku and young Qui-Gon Jinn going out to find the kidnapped son of a senator on behalf of the Jedi Council. But what's interesting about Qui-Gon Jinn, obviously he comes back in episode four uh, voiced by Liam Neeson, but in this one he's voiced by Liam Neeson's son Michael. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought it was quite interesting. Like, it was very rare you get to see like a father and son kind of mm. portraying the same character. Clever bit of casting, to be fair. Mm. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, who who better? I mean, that situation. But the idea, like, he's not. He's far from like the stoic kind of version of Qui Gon as well. That his dad would portray. He's more of a young kind of bad one who's like very unsure of himself and is always is always having to get advice from from Dooku. Yeah, he's still he's still learning at this point, but he's he still has similar values to what you would see yeah. him have in uh, episode one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know when you look at across at some of Dooku's issues here uh, with the Jedi and with the Republic, it's not entirely unfounded. His issues here where uh, these townspeople get that percent or son, but uh, it's reveal that they're willing to like take the Jedi to and they don't fight against them. They're just like he's like so corrupt, he's left us with nothing. Like everybody's so poor here. And so we basically did this to send a message. Like we've not even harmed the guy. And even the son who's been kidnapped sides with the the people. And so there's a kind of uh, uh, you're showing how corrupt some people in the Senate can be. Yeah, definitely. And um the senator shows up with an army and he's prepared to um Slaughter everybody, um, not just to get his son back, but uh, in payback for them taking his son and the, the, the Jedi sort of seeing what he's done to these townspeople. They sort of take the side of the townspeople and defend them. Yeah, uh, some people, some people do sadly get killed, but uh, Dooku then gets angry and even goes quite far as to almost kill the Senator. Like, he uses the Force choke on him, uh, which Qui-Gon, even though even he can't stop him, so tries to get the center, free the center son to try and talk some sense into him rather than having to resort to kill him. But you can see Dooku was very willing to do it and he even said like, corruption like yours needs to be stopped out. Yeah, he's very... Dooku um, is very sort of gung-ho and lets himself be that a bit more by his feelings and perhaps a, a Jedi should. And we kind of see that in the first two episodes. Uh, although it does sort of get results, it kind of lands everyone in a bit of trouble as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though I don't think he fully regrets like his, his decision to try and kill the Senator for what he was mm. doing, he does say to Qui-Gon that, you know, he was right to do what he did as well. Like, he, he trusted his instincts, so he also looks at both sides. So even when he, he comes across people who disagree with him, 
why uh, Count Dooku does seem to be one of those people who, like, sees the opinions of others. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, he's, um, he sort of, I don't know, he sort of sees things a bit differently to the other Jedi, doesn't he? He sort, mm-hmm. of, sort of sees a bit more of the corruption that's going on there. And um, it does sort of feel like, especially from his point of view, that everyone else is sort of burying their heads in the sand a little bit. Yeah. Um, we see more of these issues with the, with the actual Jedi Council mm. and everything, Jedi Order, and in the third episode. And you know, again, the more we see of these guys, the more we see that, yeah, maybe, maybe these guys were a bit behind the times, or they, maybe they were yeah, not fully prepared for what was going to happen to them. Maybe they kind of do things, and so it's uh, Dooku along with uh, Mace Windu, voiced uh, by the same actor who, I don't have his name in front of me, I, know he's, I think it's Terrence, but I don't have his surname in front of me, uh, same actor who played him in the Clone Wars, so they're going to find out information about uh, the death of a fellow Jedi who was trying to protect another senator. So they go and they, I, I like how they, they date this because at the start of the episode they say that Mace Windu makes it clear that neither of them are on the council, which yeah. is interesting because when, when we get to episode one, Mace Windu is a key member of the uh, the Jedi Council. Yeah, so this is obviously um, a, year, yeah, a few years before episode one, I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and like I said, the differences in like I- ideas of how to handle this, where you have Mace Windu wants to do everything, you know, by the book, you know, do their duty and everything, and do uh, like, no, this doesn't make any sense. We need to actually ask questions about this. Like, this doesn't seem right to me. You know, this is one of our own, and you're just gonna, you know, just come in and not ask any questions. You know, what would you want them to do if it was your position? So, you know, very much. You know, opposing sides here. Yeah, I definitely sort of think Kentucky has a point as well. It, it all does seem a bit, a bit sus, and probably does need investigating a bit further. But he doesn't really go. He goes well. He goes about it in his own traditional way, doesn't he? Which perhaps wasn't the best way. I think he's right to want to investigate it more, but he doesn't go about it the best way, does he? No, because like, he, he demands that they, they take them to where the centre and the Jedi were supposedly ambushed and you know where she was killed. Because he doesn't like, I think the idea isn't, he says how like, a Jedi succumbing to a sneak attack is very unlikely. So, like, show us where it happened. And they date them there. And he immediately starts asking questions, like, and he starts poking holes in the story, kind of the same way a detective would beat someone down. Mm. So, it's almost like a good cop, bad cop thing with Dooku and Window, like, so you're saying you were attacked from this angle, that means there would be you no know, blaster marks on your ship and there aren't any, so clearly somebody attacked them from behind someone she knew and the centre goes to run towards them and tell them that it was his own guards that did it, but before you can get the sentence out, his own guards have like gunned him down. Yeah, you get the sort of impression that kind of was a good idea what, what's happened all along, but he's just looking for the sort of proof to back up what he already yeah. suspects. Yeah, and you do see that, like I said, in some detectives where they, uh, they know mm. somebody's guilty, they just need them to you know, confess and admit it. And that they do end up taking the guards down. Uh, Mace Windu ends up killing one of them that they leave alive at the end, but not intentionally because the guy was going to kill him. Uh, and they basically say that the guy was corrupt and they were going to 
we killed a Jedi, he's going to have a message, and we were going to be kept him alive to force them to you know, push their agenda in the Senate. So they had their own reasons, and Duke even, when they take the guy as prisoner, Duke even starts giving the guy advice on how to actually be successful in his cause. Yeah, definitely. So it's pretty much sort of similar to the other one, the person in charge of sort of um, draining the planet of money and resources for his own his own wealth, basically, and leaving them with nothing. So they decided to take matters into their own hands. And, um, yeah, they perhaps thought the Jedi didn't have their best interests at heart, so they uh, took care of her, so to speak. Yeah, and they like they start pushing this idea that Dooku starts buying into as well the idea that Jedi like aren't keepers of the peace. You know, for everybody, they only serve the rich in the Senate. They mm. do what the Senate tell them. They leave a lot of people, you know, behind, and so that's why they killed the the Jedi Master that uh, they were there investigating about. And Dooku starts believing it as well when he, especially when he finds out that Windu like get got like, that Jedi seat on the council. And then start even accusing him of like knowing that even when they went there, which is why he didn't want to investigate any further. So starts accusing him of being corrupt as well. Mm, yeah, he got uh, sort of low key promoted, didn't he? So it does yeah. it does make you wonder. But it's a it's a fair coincidence. Yeah, and so Duku denies even saying like you and I were there when we first found out we were going to have to go to that planet. So how could I have already known? And then even says to you, like, yeah, you, you got the answers, but the way you went about it got a senator killed, even if he was, you know, corrupt. So basically the idea, like, like you said, Dooku, you know, got the result, they got the answers they wanted, but Dooku shouldn't have went about it the way he did. No. <laughs> They're both sort of culpable in, the, in their own ways. Uh, I think the idea about people being against the Jedi and like what the purpose of the Jedi is like spoiled a lot in the, the, the Clone Wars and occasionally the prequels, the idea like or oh, when do even says in episode two where keepers of the peace were not soldiers but they end up having to become soldiers and generals the longer the Clone Wars went on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Joda at some point in this in the prequel sort of inventions of the Jedi have sort of lost their way a little bit and mm-hmm. um become sort of too sort of I don't know what the word is um, not secure but mm-hmm. too sort of, yeah too comfortable with the, the way things are yeah I think they I think they end up that is the case which is why they, don't, they didn't sense that Palpatine was mm. you know right under their nose the whole time speaking of which I should mention again talking about voice down like we mentioned Liam Neeson who appears in episode 4 uh, the Sith Lord which Personally, I think it's the best episode out of the six, this episode. And this one has some strong talent. And like you said, Leonison's in this. We, uh, and I like to mention that Corey Burton, who voiced Dooku in the Clone Wars series, returns in this role. He also voiced uh, Cad Bane in the Clone Wars and reprised that role when uh, Cad Bane showed up in, in uh, the Book of Both. It also, right, right. Him. he didn't, he didn't yeah. play him live action wise. Obviously, he provided the voice later. But we also have Ian McDermott returning as the voice of the the voice of Palpatine. He didn't voice him in the Clone Wars or anything, but he did come back for this. Uh, and Master Yaddo, kind of a she's the same species as as Yoda, mm. was voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard, who has her own connections to Star Wars with the uh, 
she's directed episodes of Mandalorian and her father did direct Solo, so you know nobody's perfect. I was going to say the less said about Solo, the the better. But uh, yeah, she, she's made better contributions to the Star Wars universe than her father has. Let's just say that he he <laughs> was brought in last minute to sort of try and put things right. So you can't lay too much blame at, at Ron Howard. I don't think he had a lot of time to sort of um, direct on that one, did he? Yeah, I think the. With those two anthology movies, I think maybe they're if he was brought in last minute, then there's also a thing where uh, Gareth Edwards was the director of Rogue One, but Tony Gilroy, who's working on Andor, had to help a lot with the reshoot. So maybe wondering why, wonder if those two things are the reason why we didn't get more anthology movies after mm. Solo. Although I don't think Solo did the money that they were uh, they were hoping for. Yeah, that he got critically panned and as you say didn't quite make the money they were hoping so i don't know that sort of swayed them into concentrating more on the tv aspects with the launch of uh, disney plus yeah uh but i saw a thing about yada before i even watched the series where it talks about how she just talks normally and somebody catches that with a this, this confirms what i've suspected for for years that little shit Yoda could speak normal the whole time and just enjoyed speaking in riddles. <laughs> oh. Maybe he has some sort of condition. <laughs> yeah. Just yes, sir, he is, perhaps. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, which is why I want them to, if they've got long, at some point we go, go let him speak, so, so I know mm. if, he, if that's a thing all... If it's just Yoda or all of his species feel like that, but anyway. Well, he was 900-odd, so perhaps it was like some sort of geriatric thing kicking in. (laughs) I know we made jokes about Carl's age, but if he starts speaking like Yoda midway through an episode, that's when we know he's he's crossed that line. (laughs) Let's get Carl shifted up to some swamp planet somewhere. He's he's got to know. (laughs) <laughs> let, him, let him hide in his little hut but, so it's, it's very interesting this episode even right from the word go because you see Dooku kind of sneaking around the Jedi archives uh, like I said this is just around this, the time of episode 1 as he sneaks into the Jedi archive he looks, there's a code and the computer says back Master Sifo-Dyas who we learned Dooku kind of posed as when he went to Camino and it was him who killed Sifo-Dyas, and he even he starts he deletes all information on the location of Camino, which they mentioned in episode two. How like oh like if there's no evidence of in the archive, it doesn't exist. But what if somebody deleted it? And like I remember, I think it's a young one that suggested someone deleting. That's it, uh, yeah. And then Yoda just laughs at the idea of like, no, that child was right all along. Yeah, he says, as a mind of a child, sometimes sees things that uh, we we cannot. So, um, and the, the librarian was just so sort of put up her own ass, for a lack of a better word, that she couldn't she couldn't even um, sort of contemplate the fact that the, the archives could be wrong. Yeah, and then Dooku kind of makes his way out, and he hears people talking, and. Is it all your old apprentice says he's encountered a Sith Lord? And uh, that guy goes back to when uh, Maul confronts Qui Gon on Tatooine in episode one, and then he mentions it to the council, and they're like, 
No, but the Sith have been gone for years. They couldn't have returned without us, you know, being aware of it. Uh, and so Dooku confronts uh, Qui Gon about his his suspicions and everything, and then it cuts to Qui Gon having passed, and Dooku refuses to even come to to Naboo for his funeral. Yeah, but you can sort of see he's sort of pretty devastated by Qui Gon's death, and he also mentions that he'd like to. In one of his his conversation with. Quite on He mentions that he'd quite like to meet Obi Wan because he's mm-hmm. always singing his praises. Mm-hmm. He says, "Like I won't always be there to protect." You. He says, "Obi Wan fills that role now," and obviously that didn't work out for either of them because Obi Wan wasn't there to like it wasn't there mm-hmm. to stop Qui Gon from being killed by Maul. But uh, Master Yaro does uh, does suspect more is going on with Dooku, so she follows him. To this building somewhere in court, or it's a Kurtz on Coruscant where he he meets up with with Sidious and he's angry about what's going on. He's like, "This wasn't part of the plan. I've did everything you asked, but you allowed Maul to kill you know, Qui Gon." And he Sidious callously just says, "Yeah, so we both lost apprentices today." Yeah, he he really doesn't care, does he? Um, <laughs> but. The, well, what we thought was the death of Maul back, back then, um, and that, and, and you sort of see how he sort of quietly sort of manipulates um, Count Dooku as well, doesn't he? Sort of yeah. t- questioning his loyalty, and even more so when it, it uh, when it becomes apparent that he had all follow, followed him and, and what have you. And he goes, oh, I've been betrayed then. <laughs> the character, he's obviously, um, I think he's, he's scared, perhaps a little bit scared of Palpatine because mm-hmm. he's very powerful. And he also wants to sort yeah. of stay in his good books for other reasons as well. So he's you know, determined to convince him that you know, he, is, he is on his side. He's not betrayed him. Yeah, and like she's like she, the even like willing to forgive him for everything he's done. Like if you stab with me and we take him to justice, and you know, all will be, you know, forgiven. You know, we can bring it down this this Sith Lord. And he goes, "I'm afraid." And then he pauses. He goes, "I'm afraid of what I have to do." And it does lead to a, a brief lightsaber duel between the two. So you got some practice in for fighting people for a size before he fought Yoda in Episode Two mm. years, years <laughs> later. But it, it does. I do like what what Sidious has been doing here because uh, I think they do imply that he had both Dooku and Maul's apprentice at one point kind of overlapping, but in a way he, he sort of knew that Maul wouldn't make it back from wouldn't make it back from Tip from Naboo, so he knew. Yeah. So he, so he has another set, so like keeps the rule of two going. But I think he so always knew in the end. Yeah, it's almost like Maul was never a true um, apprentice in a sense, because I don't know if you've ever read um, the the um, the book. Oh, what's it called now? The book on this. What was his master called? Plagueis. Uh, Plagueis. Darth yeah, Plagueis. I've got, I've got, I've got the, book. I've read um, the first slight like, chapter or so. I've been meaning to get through. I, I found it hard to get into it. Start. They sort of take. They sort of. He sort of takes um, Maul as a kind of apprentice, while he's still Darth Plagueis' apprentice as well. So it sort of overlaps with that as well. If um, if that's still canon, which I think it might be. 
It's, it's hard to know what. So since Disney took over and changed all the things, it's hard to know what what is exactly canon and isn't nowadays. Well, I think if they ever hurry up on that show, they actually we just may delve into some stuff about the sets. We can have return and maybe we'll get some info there about what, how much of Plagueis is a uh, is canon or not. But because I think there was a point in like the expanded universe about how. The Sith used to have more than one apprentice, but then Darth Bane creates like the rule mm. of two or whatever. And then, so I think knowing that Maul would die, he knows he has another apprentice, so it keeps the rule of two. But I think he always knew that Anakin would become his apprentice and take Dooku's place, so he never really cared about Dooku, I don't think, either, even though he clearly had him for a long time. And then you see also what happens when Dooku tries to get his own apprentice, similar to what Palpatine did with Maul. But he's now got all, now he doesn't want to be overthrown like Plagueis was. So basically, he forces to create turn on on Ventress and the uh, the animated series. So you know, he's always manipulating people his bloody. Really, yeah, I think, I think there's even videos that they're saying that Dooku was even told a different version of like Sidious's ultimate plan. So didn't know that he was eventually gonna he was eventually gonna die at Anakin's hands. Yeah, definitely. As I said earlier on the part, I don't think Dooku really grasps how evil Sidious is and what his true intentions really are, which is sort of to dominate and oppress, because he's talking about bringing freedom and, and whatnot to the galaxy, but Sidious just wants to dominate and oppress the galaxy, really, for his own, for his own means. And he's pretty much biggest and best manipulator of all time because he just seems to manipulate everybody into into doing his will whether it's as um, as Senator Palpatine or as Darth Sidious he's he's very he's very very cunning isn't he I think he kind of also had a like the tease when Maul tries to take over a mantle or that you know that Maul was kind of told a version of what Sidious' plan was and thought he was going to be part of it like he even like says it in the Clone Wars, like so the Clone Wars has begun, like so he knew about the clones as well. And I think there's even theories that like Dooku and that thought that when like Anakin eventually joined them, uh, was like created by cities that he would be standing by their side and they'd all kind of overthrow the Jedi, not realizing that Palpatine's ultimate goal was just you not know, just him and Vader. Yeah, and perhaps and perhaps they sort of think in their own way that perhaps they could. Um, yeah, when the plans got so far over for Sidious themselves, and perhaps that's what Sidious sort of foresees. He's perhaps not scared of one apprentice on their own, but perhaps two working together as powerful as Ventress and Dooku might might be able to um, eventually, over, you know, outmatch him. So he's kind of. You know, very sort of careful and um, about yeah. watching his own back and making sure the his own students don't get too too powerful um, because that is the way. Um, as you were saying, I bait Darth Bane set it up that you know eventually the apprentice will always overthrow the master and take their place, which is. Even Bane himself wanted to happen to him. You know, he expected his apprentice to eventually kill him. Yeah, and like even another example in the Clone Wars, I'm not wanting to be threatened by former apprentices when he senses Maul getting more power on Mandalore and having his own brother as his apprentice. So he's like, 
well, I can't, I can't let this happen. So he goes to Mandalore and kind of easily defeats the two yeah, of them. Yeah, I was going to say, just dispatch them quite easily, really, after all this worrying. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got like examples, like some of them are can, some aren't. Like Vader has the Inquisitors, who never says our apprentices, so I don't think Sidious ever saw them as threats. But you also have like the, I don't talk can anymore, but the Force Unleashed game. Of like Vader secretly keeping an apprentice from the Emperor. Yeah, it probably played into his hands what happened to to Anakin as well. I think to you know uh, getting defeated by um, Obi Wan having to wear that suit because um, Anakin, Anakin, if he did stayed as you know a whole human, he probably would have grown too powerful for the Emperor to control at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but. So we do have this kind of fight scene and there's a quite a brutal moment where you think at one point that this big circular door is like mm-hmm. crushed Yado, uh, which I th- but then she manages to use what's left of her energy is uh, to like keep the door open but it really weakens her so Duke almost puts her out of her misery by you know, cutting, her, cutting her down with his lightsaber as you just see a big smile across Sidious's face knowing that he's he's got what he wanted and Dooku almost has the same expression across his face that Anakin does minutes after he helps him defeat Windu. Like, yeah, I almost right. thought we were going to get a similar what have I done line from Dooku. Yeah, he pretty much has sort of um, gone past the point of no return now. Like, yeah. uh, as we say, Anakin did with um, helping him defeat Mace Windu and then he just went completely overboard with the younglings. But yeah. uh <laughs> but yeah, he he knows now that um Sidious knows he's got Count Doku in his pocket now basically. Mm-hmm. There's no going back. Pretty much, yeah. After this point, you know, he, he knows there's no going back. So uh, it's kind of a nice kind of linear journey here he sees like Staying almost for the the Jedi or, or his his anger for the council, like even says when he meets Qui Gon, like he warned him, or like such things could happen, like the return of the Sith, but the council never listen. And but I think he he different vision for him. He didn't think he'd fully go that way, and but then he becomes you know a Sith fighting full by by killing you know, one of his fellow Jedi here. Hmm. Because like yeah. he still got like the because Maul obviously had the red lightsaber, but Dooku still I think still saw himself as a Jedi up until this point because he still got the blue lightsaber during this duel. Yeah, it does definitely seem to be more of a Sith thing to have the red, have the red lightsaber, yeah. and yeah, this is pretty much just transitioning to being Darth Tyrannius, which is his uh, Sith name. For those who yeah. might not realize, might not have realized that, because he's never. You do get the impression in episode two that he's not completely evil, is he? And he's he's yeah, more shades of he's more shades of grey. He's sort of definitely more turned. You know, he's more pointing towards the darker than the light. But he's not. He's not sort of sidious evil, is he? No. Yeah, he even tries to get Obi Wan to help him overthrow Sidious in episode two and. You hear references to someone called Tyrannus, and then he's called it by by Sidious, so you know it's him. But he's never called that again after. I don't. You rarely even hear that name during mm. Clone Wars or anything like that, which is the same because I know Count Dooku is a good like villain name, but Darth Tyrannus is also yeah. a really cool villain name, which is <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yeah. 
And I'm really glad that we got this because I like seeing a more fleshed out kind of backstory for, for Count Dooku. Because sometimes when you hear about a villain getting more of a backstory, you worry that'll kind of dilute kind of what makes them cool in the first place. But really, this just actually helps the character Count Dooku more than anything. Yeah, definitely. It sheds a bit more light of what sort of made him go to the dark side and join the Separatists and whatnot. And it sort of fills in the gaps. And although we probably suspected it was Count Doku who um, erased those files, we sort of now we know for sure, which is a, you know, a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, and also, that's probably why Anakin went to kill those younglings in the first place. Like, I'm only, I'm really, I don't really need to kill the rest of you, but that one over there knows too much. He knows what Dooku did, so no no witnesses. Mm. <laughs> but, but oh, I want to talk to you about Tales of the Jedi in terms of they do a season two, because I don't know if they've confirmed it, but I think it would be quite cool if they did do one, because they don't even need to revisit Dooku or Ahsoka in season two. If they didn't want to, they could do episodes on yeah, if anybody in the world are like the Jedi, they could do more stuff with Qui-Gon, like the stuff after he stopped being Dooku's apprentice and started being his own master and, you know, training up a young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Or they could take even characters from the, like, who are canon, who we don't haven't really seen a lot of in the world of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, they could do, you know, a bit of Obi-Wan Kenobi and... Um... Yeah, have he discovered his force powers or something and got hooked up with uh, Qui-Gon and maybe a little bit more of what he was doing um, on the boo, is it, when he's watching... Uh, I always get the planet names wrong. When he's watching Luke and, and whatnot. Uh, Tatooine. that's it. Yeah. Maybe yeah. do something uh, like that. Even, a, even like a Vader one as he's sort of... Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as he's sort of first getting used to thing, you know, straight after um, the transition into the the suit, to sort of see how he gets used to that, because there's lots of Vader stories out there, and how he went, you know, how he went hunting sort of certain Jedi and that himself, not just the Inquisitors. So, you know, yeah, there's plenty of scope for for different things if they want. Yeah. Because, like, you don't really see a lot of Vader hunting Jedis, and so I remember one of the, one of the best parts of that first Force Unleashed game is the first level where you go to the Wookiee planet to find a Jedi as Vader. Uh, why it was fun for me is that you're on these weird platforms and getting a Force push a bloody Wookiee off this ledge and just go here and going, oh, as they're falling <laughs> off. I've never played that game, so. Uh... <laughs> Oh, it, it was it was I, I took far too much enjoyment out of that but <laughs> anyway but yeah like the idea you know you could even do one on on a young Mace Windu mm. or even take some other characters like I mean a reference to Mela, like Kanan Jarrus where he had to change his name after his master was killed and how he kind of went on the run after Bad Batch you know bringing Freddie Prince Jr. back in that voice because I know he's a massive fan of Star Wars so he'd probably be well up for that yeah, there's definitely sort of uh, in more interesting ways they they can go. Yeah, because like they don't. I, yes, they can, but they don't need to entirely like mess with the continuity. It's just like here's little stories like up between these mm-hmm. points that you know that they did. So here's little stuff that helps build on that. So you know, it's kind of one of the things that doesn't you know you get kind of, they can drop them quite quickly, and you doesn't interrupt like all the other content they've got going like. 
here's this little show that you can easily binge in an evening if you've got an evening fee between Andor or Mando or whatever else you've got going on. Grand Admiral Fraud might be a good one to do do a bit on because he's back to being canon now and he's about to make a live action debut do a bit of how he got through the ranks um, to being like the Grand Admiral and whatnot. You now you could even spin it off and like do the other side do Tales of the Sith you know, mm. that kind of idea of more, some more dark side kind of characters because like, uh, you know, I, don't, I haven't watched it, but I know Marvel did that Werewolf by Night guy as a Halloween special, and now they're doing a, a holiday special for the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I actually think comes out this Friday. I think this oh, Friday right. Black Friday, and I, I think that's when it comes out. But there's rumours of like Marvel doing that with more characters, like doing one-off specials on Disney Plus every so often. Uh, I really think the idea of Marvel doing these kind of... I like the idea of like Disney doing these like animated specials every so often, just Give me all insights into you know well-known characters because there was like a Star Wars Christmas special, which I've never seen. I don't know what I don't know what happened. It seems to have been buried in, in a vault somewhere, yeah. but uh, it definitely did happen. I think I think it was like a case that they were trying to capitalise on the popularity of like the first film, and obviously it was going to be a few years before they did another. They don't know. If George Lucas even knew if it'd be successful enough for him to do another one. So they did this holiday special, but I think from what I've heard from every everyone either involved in it or who's watched it said it's awful. Like, I think it revolves around trying to get, trying to get Chewie home for the Wookiee equivalent of Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and there are scenes with his Wookiee family where they speak in another language but don't translate it. So there are scenes where you don't know what the fuck's happening. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine quite a few people making this were on drugs at the time. I'm just <laughs> going to say that out there. But I don't know if we're quite we're quite that desperate for another Star Wars holiday special. As, as, much, as good as they've been doing with their Disney Plus content, I don't think that's the direction I want to see them go. No, probably not. I can see the work of the Gardens of the Galaxy, though. That, that That's going to be quite a fun thing to... Mm-hmm. to watch but uh yeah if, so if you're going to give these um episodes a rating maybe a combined rating might be the best way to go what, what would you what would you go with scott i'd say eight and a half maybe out of ten mm. it's like yeah. the first episode no go on it's me putting in then because <laughs> like the first like the first episode with Soki, like you said it's a bit slow but not horrible or anyway but the other episode, like the stuff with Dooku, I really love like seeing that kind of transformation with him, and then getting to see more Ahsoka. Of, like I'm a big fan of the character. Like the more I watch the film, the more behind her I got, and then I'm excited to see how the Ahsoka series, like you said, that's coming up. So getting to see more about her character and you know, what she was doing after she left the Jedi Order in Order sixty six was cool to see. So you know, and also it was easy to watch, like with some talented voice actors in this and. Anything Dave Fallon does within that kind of Clone Wars Bad Batch Rebels kind of sphere, I'm always a big fan of. So you see, it's always going to be an easy win for me. Yeah, I would I would say an eight or an eight and a half as well. Pretty well done. They've got you know some original voice artists back, and uh, it hasn't you know it's one of those things that could have been you know quite lazily done, but the, you know they. They put the effort in, and uh, yeah, they're well worth watching. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. 
but I think the next time we talk Star Wars, maybe on the next episode, we are going to talk about uh, Andor, because I haven't actually watched it since, I think the last episode which was the eighth one, and I think at the time recording, the season finale just went up on mm. Disney Plus, so I'm going to maybe find time in a weekend, go through the last few episodes, one, one after the other, hopefully that'll make the series more enjoyable. Because like I, it's weird. I'm seeing people online. Either people hate it, or they're saying they're crying. It's like the best shows that Star Wars has ever done. Maybe I need to, maybe a rewatch when I'm done with it will, uh, will maybe help me appreciate it. But like, there's so far like there's been one or two good episodes, but I'm like I'm just not seeing what everyone else seems. A lot of other people seem to be seeing like I've seen the Rotten Tomatoes because apparently it's matched Mando's. In terms of being one of the highest rated like Star Wars shows they've ever done. Mm. I mean, I I don't mind it, but I don't love it. I mean, my my friend is also a big Star Wars nerd. He he loves it, and I'm like, well, why? What, what do you love about it? Because I you know I'm, I you know, I'm, I'm continuing watching it. You know, so so you know, hate it, but I haven't got into it like I have like the Mando or, or some of these other things. It's just not quite doing it for me somehow, but. Yeah. And we got another season. We're going to get a second season. Yay! Apparently, it's already started filming mm. as well. But it says, "Oh, it's not going to come till sometime twenty twenty four And I'm like, "I can wait." Like very <laughs> much. But I think maybe at some point, because I don't know what else is coming out in the last months to the the year. So at some point, we're going to have to do an episode talking about the Guardians holiday special. Because I definitely maybe. want to talk about that. <laughs> that might be. Weird. We might want to do that. Though. That could. That might be fun. I can see that being a lot of daft funness, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I also went to see uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever the other week, so hopefully it won't be too long before that's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, probably sometime ne- early next year now, maybe late Jan, Feb, something like that. Because they haven't yeah. taken too long to make their way over to it, have they? Normally about... Somewhere between six and eight weeks, perhaps it's been. Yeah, I think they said the policy was like really at least forty or something days mm. from the date of initial release. I'll be under the bus. So I think because I think that gives people more than enough time to have gone to see it in cinemas. And if they didn't go back and see it, then and they want to see it again, and here it is on Disney Plus. But you know, I I enjoyed it. Maybe a bit long. I mean, not boring like Eternals, but like there's a bit one or two scenes in the middle where I thought. Yeah, that dragged a bit, but then this, then it picks right back up again and keeps going to the end. So it is another long one, not not No Way Home or Doctor Strange mm. levels of long, but it is uh, it is something you're going to be in for the long haul. So maybe it's best you do watch it at home where you can uh, yeah. where you can pause it and go for go to the bathroom. Not quite Batman long, then I take it. No, not that long, uh, but. A bit, a little say because the opening of the film is quite sad because they have to acknowledge Javid Boseman passing mm. right off the bat. So, but <laughs> me and my brother are sitting in the cinema. Right, we've got all of our, our stuff, our worst suits in that, <laughs> and we're sitting there. And there's this group that's sat on the side where my brother is, the, the three or four seats along. They're all this group. They're all chatting. And then we see them pulling stuff at the back. And I do a bit of a double take as the adverts of the last couple of trailers are playing. I look over. The guy's pulling his stuff out that he's going to eat during the film. He pulls out this full, like, kind of, this little tub you get, like the meal deal section in Tesco. Like, this little tub of pasta that he's brought with him. 
<laughs> and I had it and looking over like this. I, I, I secretly typed it on my phone so the guy wouldn't see and slyly showed to my brother. I, I typed it. This fucker's brought a pack lunch with him. Because <laughs> that's what it seemed like he was doing, like bringing a fellow. It's like, have you got fucking sandwiches in there at all? Because <laughs> I didn't see this. But then my brother told me that later on, he turned over. The guy, once the guy finished his pasta, he then pulled out a full tub of Ben and Jerry's as well. He'll <laughs> be there next time with a fucking barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> and I started, you know, we all start laughing to ourselves. Because it reminded me of a story that that Grado once told on a podcast on about he went to a cinema once and someone pulled out a fish supper, mm, uh, mm. which you don't want because that'll stink at the place. But and he he was going on a rant about it, and me and my brothers start laughing as the final adverts are playing and uh, the things come out. Oh, please turn your phones off and everything. Like right, still because a very somber film was about to start, and we were sitting here struggling, not crying because we're giggling that much. Like you know, just pretend you're crying. So how sad the film is. <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of long films, just a little tangent here. Have you seen bloody? I don't. I don't intend on going to see it in cinemas. But that fucking Avatar is going to be like three hours long, and James Cameron was getting a shouting match because people were telling him to not make it so long. <laughs> no, I haven't seen much about that. To be, I've never even seen the first Avatar. To be honest, I, I went to see it when it came out. <laughs> Didn't make much of an impression on me. I wasn't desperate for like four, like three sequels, which are apparently getting, which are filmed so like back to back or whatever which is why it took so long i mean when also, I, maybe it looks different in the cinema but when i saw the visuals on the trailers it just looked like a very bad playstation game to me so i was just like not interested <laughs> and apparently he's even said oh yeah the film needs to make a total like worldwide needs to make like two billion dollars in order to be profitable because they spent that much money on it <laughs> I'm like, for fuck's sake, I'm starting to think we gave James Cameron a bit too much credit, especially when the first one came out, he's gone, the man's gone mad. Well, that's what sort of started off the the, the new sort of 3D craze again, wasn't yeah. it, with Avatar, because he'd in, in, sort of helped desire, invent new cameras to bring his vision to life, and this, like, crappy 3D thing sort of became a craze where you'd watch a film and it had about two moments in it that were genuine 3D and the rest was just normal and you stood there wearing your silly glasses. And that <laughs> sort of died to death after a couple of years, didn't it? So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, like he's becoming what George Lucas was like during the prequels, like how the original trilogy was, everyone was giving so much praise for that as creator of Star Wars and then he decided he wanted to write and direct all three spookle films himself. He got too confident in his own abilities and that backfired on him. I think that's what's going to happen to James Cameron here with these films. Mm, quite possibly, quite. Because I know the visuals get a lot of um, love and praise. The, the, a lot of people do sort of say the plot wasn't really up to much on the original, so we shall see, I guess. Yeah. There are films like this that kind of sell themselves uh, on the idea of uh, like the, how visual, how great it looks, but like the story is lacking. Like, yeah, it's great visually, but like there's nothing keeping me going here in terms of the story. Like, remember, this is a weird example, but like it was that film Boyhood, I think it was called, that came out of the Oscars a few years ago, and the whole thing was, oh yeah, they shot it over twelve years, so the characters age in real time. But everyone who really like, yeah, that's great. 
but there's no real story to this movie, <laughs> other than you can see people age in real time. Great. It's like, well, it's like a really good game, you know, a game that um, it's got really good visuals, but the gameplay's a bag of shit, you know. You're just <laughs> not going to play it, are you? It doesn't matter how good the graphics are, the gameplay's rubbish. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, enough of bashing James Cameron here. That's a fun way to end this, this <laughs> show. But we'll be back soon with episodes about Andor and the Guardians Holiday Special. And really, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that's really coming out uh, to round off the year. There's all, I know there's a lot of big stuff in 2023. I think it's like late February 2023 when mm. we'll get to talk about Mando again, which will be fun. Yeah, well, that'll be coming out, um, as you say, then. And hopefully it won't be too long afterwards we get the Ahsoka one either. Yeah, I'm quite I think looking forward to that. I think that is the plan to have a Mando then Ahsoka. And I think at some point in there, in the summer, they're going to do like Bad Batch. And I think we'll all have all sorts of Marvel content as well. So, you know, December, much like WWE, we're quiet in December, but mm. then. Because we'll they are. They are filming the Marvels, aren't they? I've seen yeah. stuff about that and Instagram pics of uh, the actresses together. So yeah. that's going to be out at some point as well. Yeah, and I think uh, so. and uh, da- well, I think Daredevil's scheduled for twenty twenty four, isn't it? From what I've seen. Yeah, yeah it is. So I think in February or March time we're getting the uh, Ant Man movie and the first mm. proper TV show. Does it plus series we're getting is that a uh, Secret Invasion, which has got Samuel Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. that from the trailers, that looks really good. I think we're going to get quite a bit of animation in 2023, mm. like Bad Batch, X-Men 97. Uh, what else we got? Uh, I know, I know there's, there's that a few other zombie, There's that zombie thing. I'm not, not... It might be all right, but I'm not I'm not convinced on, on the concept of that, personally. Yeah. So... What we're seeing is the new year is going to have a lot of solid content to potentially talk about. Uh, and maybe if it's out with, by some point early January, this is plus we can talk about Black Panther, Wakanda forever uh, in a bit more depth. But you know, for now, Carl, while we, while we prepare ourselves to talk about Andor and potentially get angry tweets from people who really <laughs> love Andor, I mean, I say this, maybe the last few episodes helped redeem it. I've not watched the final few episodes maybe um, that really sets me up and maybe by the time I get to the finale I'll be like oh maybe I do want more I've only, I've only got the finale left to watch and because of the football world cup I'm not sure when I'm going to get round to it because I'm uh, binging football at the moment but I've got yeah I haven't been swayed yet and that's the final episode has got something super special yeah well we'll, we'll see what happens here uh, hmm. Like I said, even if it's a mostly negative episode next week, you know, we said before, not everything we review can be great because we need to, we need to crap on something every few episodes, otherwise we get accused of being paid by Disney, which we definitely are. <laughs> <like that>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Carl, in the meantime, while we're waiting for this Andor thing, do you have anything else you wish to plug in the world of Rogue Opinions? No, I haven't really, to be honest. Um, not really doing a lot much else other than these podcasts at the moment. So uh, I'll have to leave the plugs to you, I'm afraid, Scott. Well, you can make sure you follow uh, Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. 
go in the go in a back catalogue and find past episodes of this show, even way back when it was the Mandalorian pod on the on Anchor Spot when I. On Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Podbean, anywhere you get your podcast, Rogue Opinions can be found. You can find shows where Carl briefly stepped in and be part of a new A-team, a team, a reboot which got cancelled very quickly. Uh, and Jimmy's recently made his return. Sorry, Carl, I had to make a different it's a, phone call. See, see, no, no, this is this is what I wanted to do. You see, Scott, because between you and me um i'm i'm being forced out of rogue opinions and um it's it's nathan he doesn't respect me and i don't respect nathan god damn it <laughs> and this isn't some sort of ronaldo parody on honest <laughs> he's and you know, I, I I came to Rogue Opinions and left and come back, and they hadn't updated the Rogue Opinions jacuzzi or the Rogue Opinions HR. Something got HR. It's a joke. Ah, <laughs> uh, we don't know what HR is around here, but <laughs> I think yeah. I think what really happened is Jimmy saw how he uh, heard how rubbish I was and thought, shit, I better I better come back quick. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, it was, a, it was a difficult phone call. You let Carl know he's being let go from the A team. You know, a solid forty-minute phone call, thirty minutes of which was him crying. <laughs> oh, one of the hardest phone calls I've had to make. But Jimmy did return recently. We talked. We you talked said about that, but you you were you were uh, you, you were cheering. I could hear the the, the sound of champagne corks being popped. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> My thought was merely dry from all the celebrating that Jimmy is back. I mean, uh, <laughs> from, from consoling, from consoling you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we had me, Nathan, Jimmy, along with KJ from Inside the Roots. Uh, we were talking about Crown Jewel. Me, Nathan, Jimmy are hoping to get together soon and talk about full gear that just happened for AEW. I'm hoping he also get Jimmy on my show, No Rose uh, Cards. Jimmy this! Jimmy that! <laughs> oh, come on, girl. You know you're always my favourite. <laughs> oh, oh, do I now? <laughs> Sometimes, when Jimmy doesn't miss me back. But... <laughs> 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 but there's also no dogs bars. I mentioned Jimmy's going to be on it. I've got three other episodes planned to record for the end of 2022. I almost forgot what year we were in. You got Rogue Retro Smackdown with myself and uh, myself and Paul. Uh, we also have Scott and Paul's Rambling podcast. You know, I'm going to have to drop a few podcasts when I get into 2023. I just don't know what ones yet. <laughs> I wonder who it'll be. <coughs> Uh, you know you'll always be my fellow pimp. <laughs> Even Godfather <laughs> will never die. Uh, we're going to go till we get cancelled. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes being replaced by an American is not easy, much like podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>